All right, this week on One More Pass, we talk about the NFL Week 9, especially the trouncing Rob Saints gave to TB and his Buccaneers. Rob, great game, huh? Wonderful. I enjoyed and savored every moment of it. And we also talk about the Notre Dame-Clemson football game. Old Brian Kelly finally getting a win against a top five-ranked team. And we also talk about Rob maybe tinkling a little bit during one of his gigs. We share some road stories about potentially pissing ourselves. And we have a couple of uh, good pod damas. So guys, are y'all ready to go? Joey? Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Rob, you ready? Yeah, I got it. Let's go number one right now. Let's go. <laughs> one more pass. Let's go. All right, welcome back to the One More Pass podcast, week 16. You can follow us at One More Pass on Instagram, at One More Pass on Twitter. Our Twitter account is just me making just memes the whole time, but I think it's kind of funny. And uh, yeah, if you can't go rate and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you get your podcasts. And uh, guys, we are in November. Tis the season. It's almost Thanksgiving. Uh, it, we're at week 16. Do we, do we, uh, when's our bye week? Uh, we when don't get that? one when yet. Did... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no mm. bye weeks. Um, we're playing straight through. Joey, how you feeling, man? Were you anywhere with Scotty Mercurio this week? Uh, I was, let's see, where did, oh, this weekend we played um, Frustration Hall. Um, <laughs> I was incredibly frustrated watching uh, Denver. They seem to uh, put more players on IR each week than they score touchdowns. So that was, um, that was discouraging. And uh, I think, you know, after that show, we're just going to, we're just going to take the holidays off. When I say holidays, we may just stay off till July 4th. Who knows? We're just going to, you can never, you got to take care of yourself first. Am I right? You got to get your rest. We just really, really want to make sure we're well rested. Nice. Rob, Brad Paisley train this week? Yes, no, maybe? Eh. Nope. No train. It's, it's still in dry dock. (laughs) It's still in the it's still in the station. Yeah, just uh, hanging out at the house. Uh, what did I do this weekend? I uh, pressure washed my driveway. That was exciting. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, made some. Uh, yeah, you came over Sunday night. We watched the Saints game. Made some uh, white beans and andouille sausage. Joey, you missed out. It was delicious. I I was sad to miss out. Yeah. I mean, can we can we just talk about that game right off the bat? Sure. How. We can talk about it the whole episode if you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that, was un, that was that was unbelievable. I mean, I I really wanted the Saints to win. I thought they had a shot. I probably, if I had to bet money, I would have bet on the Bucks. But I don't think anyone in the world saw no that happening. I mean, it could have been it could have been sixty to three. Truly, if if they would have you know kept their offense going the way it was, that was. What do you guys make of that? Was it a was it a fluke thing that Brady looked that bad? Yeah, what, what are your thoughts overall? Rob, you just have to limit it to 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fully, I did not, like most people, like, you know, watching all the, the, the pregame announcers and analysts, everybody was picking Tampa. And I was like, golly, nobody, you know. And I, 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 I kind of felt like the Saints were going to lose. I thought it was going to be a shootout, like a, you know, like a, 
you know, 34, 31, somebody kicking, you know, suck up kicking a field goal on a final drive. But I did not see that coming. Like, uh, you know, the, the Saints secondary has been suspect past couple of weeks. They've been squeaking by. But that was just a full-on curb stomp from, from gun to gun. I did not. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened because it didn't. I mean, the Saints are healthy. We got Michael Thomas back. Marcus Davenport came back finally. But, you know, the, the D-line's actually been playing pretty well. It's been, I, I don't know. They just, they collapsed. You know, and that's a talented team. And it's not like Tampa Bay's riddled with injuries. I don't who is know. The, uh, who, who is the defensive end that plays opposite Jordan? Hendrickson? Bigger dude. I feel like he has a bunch of tattoos, but he doesn't wear any gloves or anything. He's just got long, white arms. That's why I feel like he had like two sacks in a row at some point. Oh, that was, yeah, the, the Hendrickson. Okay. Is, he, is yeah. he a rookie or is he? Uh, I can't remember what year he is, but he basically had been taken over for, for Davenport, who's been out since week okay. one or two. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's been playing. He's got, he actually has more sacks on the team. I think he's two sacks behind Miles Garrett and um, and Aaron Donald, like he's up there. Wow, he's been playing well. I don't know where he came from. I I, I don't know that much about him, but he's been playing lights out. Yeah, because Rob, when we were watching the game together, like there was a few people that we kind of both just like looked at each other at and uh, just said, "Gosh, like who in the hell was that? Like who's that guy?" And plus, like especially like the well, when you <laughs> when you like the backup uh, like rookie tight end Troutman, yeah, 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 Troutman, dude, like he caught a pass and we were just like, okay, first off, like who is this dude? But yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, but to see like, <laughs> dude, like the Saints absolutely route the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, like nobody could predict that at all. I mean, like obviously because everybody picked the Bucks to win, like every single TV show, you know, like they, yeah, like they picked Tom Brady just to, you know, just to pull one out over Drew Brees. But man, I think they took offense to that uh, Michael Jordan meme, and uh, they were just like, yeah, not today. Yeah, yeah the uh, the defense, the Saints defense from front to back, just played shut down. Like they just didn't give him anything running game. I think uh, Mike Evans only caught a couple passes. Like it, you know, AB got some FaceTime. Yeah, which was interesting that they even used him at all. Um, yeah, it was just I, I was not expecting. If they won the game again, I was expecting to be in a shootout with Lutz or suck up kicking a field goal. You know, in the last seconds to win it. But that just, I mean, it was over by halftime. I mean, it was over probably midway through the second quarter. Cause what, what did the, I think Tampa had like three or four, three and outs to start the game. <laughs> it just, they just couldn't get it started. You know? Yeah, I mean like an old again, Tom Brady it, record of uh, yeah. like having the most three and outs of his career without getting a first down in the first the high only, drives of the game. The only notable deficiency I saw uh, just as far as like performance wise, other than them, just them getting shut down was Gronk just looked old and slow and like he was kind of creaky walking around out there. But yeah, it was an impressive win. You know, it was a good game plan from beginning to end. Saw a little bit too much of the boyfriend <laughs> for my taste, but he played well. Um, you know, when he, he, when he, he, jumped, he when did, he, I, I have to say my, my brother, Jason, who is probably up there between maybe your mom, Rob and sister and my brother is most faithful pass receivers. He texted me during the game um, that said, uh, I know I know Hill drives your buddy crazy on the podcast, but you got to admit he's playing pretty well. And yeah, I he said, had, uh, 
I, they, he was. He was. Although, again, Collinsworth, I think I texted you guys. I, maybe he's planning on being unfaithful to Wilson when he said he's the most intimidating <laughs> running back to carry the ball. That was uh, that, that one was a little that one was a stretch. Um, I thought that was a good that was an ideal game plan for him. So maybe yeah. Peyton's listening to the pod. Well, my fear moving forward is that since he had such a great game, that he's going to start trying to use him more. And then that's when you're going to start seeing the, like when he jumped over that dude, when he jumped over that one defensive back, like that's where you get fumbles. That's where some guy comes out and either hits you, you get high load and you lose the ball or somebody strips it out of your arm. Yeah. It looks good. Cause he, you know, he, he got the first down and it's all fine, you know, web gym fodder and stuff, but that, you know, it, it's, it's, that's where I don't trust him because he doesn't play every down. He's kind of a wild card. And he's been very prone to make mistakes. Yeah, he can throw the ball and he can run pretty good. But let's just don't, let's put, you, you, there's a reason you're paying Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and Drew Brees and Latavius Murray. There's a reason they're getting paid what they get paid. <laughs> there's a reason they're on the depth chart where they are for a reason. So, but in, uh, in conclusion, I'm totally happy with it. We're first place in the conference. I mean, in the uh, division. Um, still a lot of games to play. The, the Saints, their schedule for the next couple of weeks is a little on the soft side, which, you know, gives me reason for to believe there might be a trap game hiding in there somewhere. But um, they're playing well, man. If they can keep that up. Drew looked great. He was throwing the ball downfield. You know, he obviously doesn't have the zip on the on his arm like he had uh, years ago, but uh, but he's playing well. You know, there wasn't a ton of five-yard slants and throwing balls at guys' ankles. He looked good. So I'm happy. Drew Brees actually looks like he can actually play for a few more years, which is, you know, just kind of incredible. Joey, some takeaways from this past week? Biggest takeaway is how freaking much I love football. I mean, I know we always, we always joke about it and say that, but I mean, look at last night's game. You see the, the, the two and five Patriots, the O and eight Jets. I, I think everyone had every reason in the world to not watch that game. Unless you're a Patriots fan, which you're probably just furious, you don't want to watch anymore, and there aren't any more. I checked. There's actually no more Jets fans left. <laughs> uh, but my brother, I'm watching it. My brothers and I are texting each other like, oh, cool. So I guess Joe Flacco decided to, to not make any of these throws in Denver. Like, I don't know. Did you guys watch most of the game? No, I caught the second half once we were kind of flipping through because most people just thinking, I, I really don't want to watch this shitty game. But then like about like halfway through, like whenever you started, you know, blowing up our text thread, I'm like, okay, I should put some eyes on this game. And I was just surprised it was, it was that high scoring and, you know, that fun actually. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was throwing dimes. I mean, just go back and what he threw three touchdowns and every single one of them. The second touchdown was one of the best passes I've seen this year. I mean, which Flacco has always been able to throw a great deep ball. Um, and he looked like he had nothing to offer in Denver and basically so far this week with the Jets. So that was a, that game was a surprise. The Jets giving it away at the end uh, was probably not a surprise. The Dallas Pittsburgh game uh, was, I, I don't I still don't even really know what that is, but it's what makes this season so great. Speaking of the Steelers, did you guys see that big Ben is on the reserve COVID list? He got moved there this morning. Oh, great. Um, which I, I guess is the, I guess it's the, if you've been around someone that has it. So not, so not the, it's not confirmed that he has it. So yeah, that one, that one was, was, was pretty surprising to me. And then my other, only other observation would be the, the, 
the joy that was watching the the Buffalo Bills poured on the Seahawks. <laughs> at, at some point, I don't know if you guys, this is how much I hate the Seahawks. I research these stats a lot. Seahawks are on a historic, their defense is giving up an average of 460 yards a game, Ooh. which the yeah. next closest, the next worst defense in the league is at 403. So mm. it's not, if it's not you close. put any other quarterback on that team other than Russell Wilson, I, I think they have one win. So that is the more that develops, like it's, it's not going to work out. They cannot Wilson turn the ball over four times and it's tough for anybody to recover from that, but they, they got to figure something out on defense if they're going to, if they're going to do anything in the playoffs. I did a search for that game. I can't remember how I searched it in Google and the, the highlights, you know, and the results for the, for that game came up and then right underneath it was a picture and a link for Pete Carroll getting that contract extension, which pretty much ensures that he'll finish out his career coaching at Seattle, but he's like jumping up in the air and I'm just like, dude, you just got, just got housed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just And like, his, his post game comments, he said, I don't even know what that was. Yeah. I didn't recognize that defense. Well, like, you've, <laughs> you've seen it you've seen- for, for about, Three months now, so you should probably get yep. a good, uh, good idea of what you're seeing. <laughs> How about you, Kyle? The Panthers, man. God, that yeah. was a great game. Yeah. It was a really good game. Uh, first off, yeah, like a West Coast team traveling east, playing the early game is never a good bet. Like, yeah, like no matter who you are. Yeah, man. Uh, the Panthers, so uh, four out of the, because what, like we've lost five games now, six games? Four out of the five or six games that we've lost, we've been on, you know, a drive to win the game in the fourth quarter late but they just can't seem to pull it out. And like, I just think that's maybe like experience that Teddy Bridgewater needs to kind of get under his belt to kind of, you know, win those close games. But man, dude, like I thought, dude, I thought we were going to get absolutely crushed against the, uh, the uh, chiefs this past weekend. But man, dude, to my surprise, seriously, I mean, like I was just watching the game. Like I kind of had on like in the background, like doing some stuff on a Sunday for the family. And then it was just like, wait, hold on. Like, who are these Panthers right now? You know, granted, we had Chris McCaffrey back in, which was great, but then he ended up hurting his shoulder and he might be out this coming week, which is like uber frustrating. But man, I was just super encouraged by what I was seeing from the Panthers against Patrick Machines. You know, it was just just like an unreal game. And for us to, you know, to have a chance to win it, you know, like in that last drive, that just kind of, you know, like blew my expectations for that game out of the water. Coming from week one, what, you know, like whenever I was kind of, you know, like upset at Matt Rule for not giving the ball to McCaffrey for that last play of the game, just to, I mean, well, I mean, not the last play of the game, but to get that first down to you know, kind of move the ball forward. Yeah, because I think Matt Rule is coming into his own uh, being a coach in the NFL. So I'm actually super optimistic about our team, like moving forward the uh, next couple of years. If Teddy is our quarterback, if they end up, you know, like moving on and trying to get somebody else, I think if they can eke out, you know, those one possession games toward the end and actually capitalize and win on a few of those drives. You know, I think if you're a Panthers fan, you're pretty excited about the future. I was pretty pumped about that. Um, even though I did have Patrick Mahomes on my fantasy team, fantasy team playing my team I root for in real life. So Mahomes got me 40 something points and the Panthers almost won. So, hey man, I'll take it. That's always tough. My brother and I are always like, we always accuse each other of, you know, like in that situation where you're like, you scored again. Well, 
I don't want them to score, but at least if they do, at least it was a Mahomes touchdown pass. Like I always, <laughs> right. feel, so, I always feel so dirty when I think that, you know, like I'm, I'm changing the, <clears throat> the football gods are going to, are going to honor my decision. Now that being said, I didn't start Herbert last week against the Broncos. I started golf and I lost because of it. So my loyalty did not get me a fantasy win. So, uh, yeah, Joey, but what about your Broncos, man? Um, so I guess this week we are one and two for our uh, hometown teams we we uh, root for. Yeah, so, Denver. Uh, yeah. Um, as much as I don't like to buy into your West Coast teams, you know, going east and playing the early game. I mean, like Denver I think it's did. proven, right? I mean, like there's like stats on I, it. Yeah, I mean, it does. It does seem to be Denver had. You know, I mean, first of all, they have six out of eleven of their defensive starters were not starting. I mean, you guys talk about not recognizing that guy for the Saints or a couple of players. I, I listen. I. I follow the Broncos religiously. There were four players on the field that I had never heard of that came. They were signed off of other people's practice squads that week. Like that's how beat up the defense is. They were getting blown out. And then in the fourth quarter, Drew Locke went off and they got the ball with 50 seconds left and a a chance to tie it, which they couldn't do. But that's the second week in a row that Drew Locke has done that. And it is infuriating. I think it's a combination of Lock, you know, he still hasn't even started a full season. I think he started 11 games now. And then Pat Shermer, their new offensive coordinator, something happens in the fourth quarter where I think he's kind of an old school guy that's like, oh, we're going to run on second down. We're going to run, you know, three yard crossing routes, three yard out. And then when you're down by 20 in the fourth, kind of throw that out the window and you let Drew play, um, which is really exciting to watch. And he scrambles around and he makes these amazing throws. Jerry Judy went off, which was awesome to watch him. Yeah. And uh, he was on my bench and he could have won me my week, but and like, he really hasn't shown a lot in fantasy, you know, moving forward. But then it was just like, okay, well, I guess like this was the week. So I think it may start him this coming week. Who knows? I I think you should. I I think that he, uh, he legitimately is open 95% of the time. Um, Now, whether or not Drew Locke can find him, is another thing, but his, uh, I, I've never, the Broncos have never had a receiver that can run routes like he does. Yeah. I mean, I know I sent it to you guys and it was a big highlight, but his route where he caught a touchdown pass, he started faking like he was running a corner route to the end zone, threw up his hand to make the DB believe he was, and then legitimately stopped on a dime, caught the ball, made a move and scored. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. So there's reasons for optimism, a lot of youth. Um, but another frustrating loss, but still we're three and five still in the wild card hunt. Next two games are the Raiders and the Dolphins, which I felt better about before I saw both of those teams win this last weekend. But I did have a thought I wanted to ask you guys because I was watching um, the Dolphins Cardinals game was a great game. So thinking of Tua Murray, Wilson's been around for a while, potentially a guy like Drew Locke, you know, these, these quarterbacks that are coming in, that are so mobile. They're, they're running, and a passing threat. And then you look at somebody like a Breeze, a Rodgers, a Brady, you know, are we seeing a shift in what, what the position is look is looking like right now? Is that more, are teams going to be looking to, okay, now we don't really care about Hyde as much anymore. We want quarterbacks that can run. We want quarterbacks that are threats to run. Herbert, I would say is, looks to be more of a a classic pocket passer and maybe burrow too, although he seems to be able to move pretty well. Um, but I just thought I was curious. I wanted to, I was curious. I wanted to hear what you guys thought. If you think that teams are going to be looking 
to draft quarterbacks kind of more in the in the Kyler Murray to uh, um, really really fast threats to run all the time uh, versus a, a classic classic pocket quarterback. Well, I mean, think, I think that trend has been happening for a while. You know, you you've seen over the past several years guys that were run pass options quarterbacks, you know, RBG, Mariota, even Tebow to an extent, you know, he just wasn't a very good passer. When Vince Young, he was a single read, run the ball, you know, up the field. The, the problem I have with it is that I think it's fun and it makes for great football. But when I see guys like Kyler Murray and Tua coming into the league now, the, the problem with that is that as that position evolves, so do the other ones. So I mentioned RGB a little bit ago you're going to have more of that. You're you know, I think a lot of owners and GMs get real excited when they see these young dudes water bugging it across the field. But I mean, look what happened to Kyler Murray. I mean, uh, not Kyler Murray, what happened to uh, Kyle Allen the other day? I mean, he was just in the pocket and he got a leg whip and broke his ankle in half or dislocated it. Um, it looked, that looked far more, I guess, more gruesome than, than some of the other injuries like that we've seen. I hope he, hope he recovers. That was awful. But that, that's my, like, yeah, it's, it's great football. And, you know, Michael Vick was another one. That guy was a racehorse. No one could stop him with a full head of steam. And he somehow managed to get through a career without breaking his leg or having any kind of MCL, ACL issues. But, yeah, it all looks good and on paper and everything. But, you know, every time I see Kyler Murray start running, I get, I get, a, I get that weird feeling in the pit of my stomach. It's it's great to watch. He's an amazing athlete, and I certainly don't wish injury on any of those guys. But that that's that's my biggest fear, you know, because you know I've mentioned this before. You, when you have linebackers and defensive backs that are in their thirties that are running faster than you and are bigger than you, <laughs> that's where the that's where that trend is. The success rate of that trend being kind of the the ending point. So I don't know. I enjoy seeing it, but I just man, I just feel like at some point. People have to be very cautious about what the, what they let these guys do on the field. So that's my take. Well, look at what's happened with um, Cam Newton. He's a beast. I think they said last night he's two sixty, um, and he has taken. I mean, you talk about shots. Just shout out to the Denver Broncos defense, Super Bowl fifty. Just watch what they did to him. I mean, <clears throat> sorry, Kyle. Let's not talk you about got, that, please. Come on. That's the last good thing that's happened to me football wise. Um, it has clearly taken an effect on his body <clears throat> over the years. And, um, and he still, I mean, he, he was, a, a, I'm pretty sure he was close to being New England's leading rusher. Maybe not last night, but I think he's close to it for the season. So that's the way he plays the game. Um, but you can't deny that. I was just going to say, you can't deny the effect that that has on these guys' bodies. Um, yeah. Well, they showed and, a stat last night during the game. I didn't realize how many more rushing touchdowns he had than Steve Young. Oh yeah, it was like, like 20, I, 20, 24 I, more or something. Yeah, it, no, I don't think it was. I think it was way more than that. It was like a hundred more. I, I was just standing there, like holding a drink, going, "That can't be right." And then I looked it up, and it was like, "Yeah, it is." So he's been asked to do a lot, and it's definitely taken its toll. The tricky thing in that is if you don't have, you know, if you. And I think in a way, this is what Denver's dealing with, although Drew Locke is mobile. He's not a classic pocket quarterback. But if you were going to get a quarterback more in that vein, maybe like a Herbert or Burrow, although they're both playing really well this year, um, if, if, if the game is a lot more about making correct reads, 
being a classic, you're reading defenses less about your feet and, and making things happen out of broken plays. Um, there's a bigger learning curve there. And I think it just takes time. And I and many other fans are not tend to not be that patient with our teams, uh, with our offense, with our quarterbacks. And that's that's kind of the the loop of disaster that Denver is in right now because they're in that we got to find our quarterback and then we got to find our offensive coordinator. And so they had an offensive coordinator for one year that Drew Locke did pretty well in, but the offense still struggled. And so Denver can, and they bring in Pat Shermer who has been around for a while, but he's kind of more of an old school dude. And uh, so now Denver is in that position of, is it Drew Locke? Is it Pat Shermer? And if we get another offensive coordinator, we're going to have to deal with, how long that takes to install. And I know that's like an old man football thing to say, but the older I get, I am truly realizing that putting a new head coach in or new offensive coordinator, especially if it's an entirely new system, it is not as simple as learn this and make it happen. Um, Somebody made a great point on a podcast I was listening to the other day that one of the reasons the Chiefs are so freaking good is because they've had Reed and Biennemi there for so long. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they literally just, with no mini camp, limited training camp, they just plugged him in, and he is killing it. That's what they do in that offense. The, uh, the um, Who's their other receiver that's so fast? Not Hill. Uh, I want to say Hannon or Hartman, whatever his name is. Same thing. They plug him in. It's just off to the races. So it's, it's tough because you have to find the right combination of quarterback and um, – an offensive coordinator and, and head coach. And, and and for an example, like the Panthers, I hope they stick with it for a couple of years and Same. give Bridgewater yeah. a chance. Yeah. And make it happen because you, you can't, you can't solve it in a year. And every time you try to replace one of those pieces, the painful reality is that you're hitting the reset button for two years. Of course, there's rare exceptions where it works. Um, but you look at that Seahawks offense, I hate to say it, Schottenheimer, Wilson, Carroll, you know, look at Belichick, McDaniels, and Brady. I mean, there's something to be said for continuity and consistency and and being committed to truly finding out if something works. And then if it doesn't, you're looking at a couple years to, to find out if it could again. Right, yeah, because like if you're not getting blown out every single week and like you're keeping the games like relatively close, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, like one small tweak here, bringing like a couple players in you know, like during the off season, I mean, like making small tweaks to where, okay, like I think like this year, like we can win more of those games that we're losing at the very end. And yeah, I mean, just like the Panthers, I mean, like it's super encouraging on that way. So it's just like having like the next couple of years, which, which, which like I do miss watching last night. I mean, like having Cam Newton, uh, just like as your quarterback on a third and one, fourth and one ball at the one yard line, a quarterback sneak with Cam Newton, you know, like, I mean, like that just seems to always work to get the first down or to get the touchdown. He's just so big. And you like watching him last night, like it just like reminded me of like, oh, yeah, you know, like I kind of miss having a quarterback like that, that, yeah, being in the shotgun and then just handing the ball off to your running back, being already five yards behind the line of scrimmage, you know, I mean, like having Cam just sneak that ball in, he's huge. Most of the time he's going to get that first down or get that touchdown. And um, yeah, last night reminded me of old, old Panthers days. And granted, like, even though like he did get stopped a few times, like it's kind of like inevitable to get stuffed or not get the first down nine times out of 10, he's going to get that. And like, I think that's kind of valuable still at this point, but yeah, I hope the Panthers kind of uh, let this situation play out with Teddy and hopefully make some tweaks here and there. And yeah, hopefully they can 
win those games that, you know, like they're losing by one possession. Yeah, speaking of Cam, I'm, I'm going to live fact check myself because I'm an idiot. I didn't mean to say 100. I meant to say uh, 20. I don't know. My brain is off today. But yes, he does have 53 rushing touchdowns to Steve Young's 43. And Jack Kemp coming in at Bills? number three. Jack Kemp, the old Buffalo Bills Dang. quarterback coming in at 37. Where is Elway out on that list? Elway is, hold on. Well, he's not in the top 10. It goes uh, <laughs> Newton, Young, Kemp, McNair, uh, uh, someone named Rote, Tobin Rote. Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham, Steve Grogan, Dante Culpepper, John Elway. He's not in the top 10, so but he's up there. He's in the one, two, wow. three, four, five, six, seven, well, I mean, yeah, eight, nine. Oh, he's in, well, uh, yeah, he's in the top 10. Well, I mean, like, who's the, the current player behind Cam Newton that's, that's playing right now on that list? Wilson? Hold on. Hold on. I'm having to go deep. Aaron Rodgers. And like, how many does he have? He's got 25. Five? Huh. Wow. Yeah. And Cam's been, what is he? He's been in, the, it, it hasn't even been 10 years yet, has it? Maybe eight? I think it's eight, Maybe nine. Seven or eight years? Yeah. Somewhere around there, yeah. Jeez. Wow. But yeah, shades of Cam doing, you know, like watching him play last night, which, you know, like it was kind of sad to see the Jets kind of hang in there with him. But yeah, Flacco was throwing dimes. So it was, yeah, just made me just like a little bit sad because like, yeah, because like you can actually see the, you know, like the the potential still in Cam Newton, but he's been kind of wishy-washy as well. Yeah, his he had some some bad overthrows. Um, and as much as I, I think we're in agreement that we're not crazy about the Monday Night Football uh, announcing team, um, Greasy had some pretty good insight. He was talking about Cam, that he, his feet were lateral and that he does that a lot. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it makes him unable to, to make accurate throws. And so they showed a lot of video footage of it. It was pretty interesting. Basically, he's not stepping into his throws anymore. And so he's just floating, floating a lot of balls, which I thought was, I thought was pretty interesting. So yeah, guys, uh, just like any other takeaways from this past week? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get to watch as much ball. Uh, the Titans kind of looked, they won that game and I thought they would. They kind of looked about as impressive as you can look against that good of a defense. But um, I mean, yeah, I guess it was a win's a win. It wasn't incredibly impressive. I did get to see a little bit of the Phoenix Miami game, Arizona and Miami game, and both those quarterbacks. Oh, dude, Phoenix great. Cardinals. That's sorry. It that was old school, man. That's what is that like 88 to 90? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I wish I'd gotten to see more. Again, I was out doing stuff all this weekend, didn't get to watch as much. But, um, but uh, man, the Saints just kind of cop- capped it off for me. Are there any more? Uh, again, they may not exist as Jets fans do not exist anymore. But if there are any LA Charger fans out there, I mean, is there a more yeah. heartbroken group of fans than uh, I don't know if you did? You, I don't know if you guys saw the end of the game. Oh, I saw um, it. But so they had two. Herbert basically threw two touchdown passes that the guys dropped when they when they either hit the ground or they were knocked out. Um, that, that that's just brutal. I mean, when they showed Anthony Lynn when they when they uh, reversed the call. Because at first it looked like, oh, there's no way that's a touchdown. And then they showed one angle where it moves when it hits the ground. That team, I, I don't know if I've ever believed that a team is cursed to not be able to win football games more than the <laughs> Chargers. Um, my gosh, they, <clears throat> I guess their only reason for optimism is, is how good Herbert looks. But that is, that was a great game. That was a really good game. Uh, the AFC West, honestly, I think Denver, I, I know they are still in, in, 
the race because the Chargers blow leads. But if Locke ends up being decent, Mahomes, Machines, uh, Carr has been looking great, and Herbert, that, man, that's a good quarterbacks in that um, in that division. All right, and we're back. Let's move on to college football. And I think the biggest story of the week is the old Clips and Tigers going down to number four, Notre Dame. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a, kind of a crazy game. What, two overtimes? Uh, man, it was just very weird to see Brian Kelly actually beat a top five team for the first time, I think, at Notre Dame. So, uh, man... I mean, like, what do you guys think about the old fighting Irish dethroning the Clemson Tigers? It was, I mean, like, it was actually pretty sweet to see because I hate Dabo Sweeney more than anything, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, as I've said before, I'm not a big fan of the, the Notre Dame team or the legacy and just all the, whatever the hype is behind it has been over the years. But, and I've gotten to look in and watch a few games here and there this season, you know, just for like five minutes or so, just to see what all the hype is about. Because usually, you know, about this time of the year when they do, play a really good ranked team or they go, you know, into a bowl game or whatever, they'll get housed. Um, Ian book or Ethan, is it Ian or Ethan, the quarterback? I think it's Ethan book. Uh, man, he's a gamer. That kid is tough. Yeah. Really, really good player. Um, they help. They, I mean, you know, we were texting back and forth when the, um, I can't remember what oh, it was a penalty. I think it was a, uh, I think it was a false start or something. I thought that was going to end the game for for Notre Dame, but they they went down and ended up tying the game, taking it to overtime. Um, they're tough. I, I don't think – I think if Trevor Lawrence is in that game, Clemson wins it, but they didn't – obviously didn't play. But, boy, Notre Dame came to play. They're, they're a lot tougher than I gave them. I, I will gladly eat my words again. Um, they were not – they were not to be denied, and it was a freaking great game. I think that they said that was the biggest viewing audience they've had since, like, the push game with Leinert and, um, and Reggie Bush when against uh, SoCal and Notre Dame game. What was that, 2004, I think? So that was, like, the biggest, you know, biggest game they've had in a while. And it was everything you would expect. I mean, had all the drama with the overtime Freaking great game. And yeah, I was glad to see Dabo lose. Guy annoys the yeah. hell out of me. Um, I, I agree with Rob. Dabo is time to lose. Like, like I, I get it. There's lots of good Christian family coaches out there. And I know that Dabo has been anointed ahead of all of those. Um, but it was just time to lose. I mean, you look at the Boston College game last week that they probably should have lost. I, I, I always like whether it's the Patriots Clemson or Alabama. It's just nice to see teams like that lose um, because it gives you hope in the competitive spirit of the rest um, of their respective leagues. Um, they got to stop. I, I know Trevor Lawrence is a great player. I know he's probably going number one. Can, can we just stop showing him on the freaking sidelines? If I yeah. have to see that guy <laughs> flip his hair one more time, I think I, I think I texted you guys, find someone who loves who loves you as much as Trevor Lawrence loves his hair. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what, um, I think, was it one of you guys or might've been my brother? One of you text back sunshine. I think it was one of my brothers that did from remember the Titans. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's like the, just kind of grabbing it and flipping it to the side. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe it makes it 
maybe I'm jealous because I couldn't grow my hair out like that when I tried to. But that's a little bit annoying. I, I underestimated Notre Dame too. I mean, they they came to play. And really, if you look at that fumble, uh, I think it was the quarterback that fumbled really, really close, basically the goal line because the ball went into the end zone and was recovered yeah. light. They had a couple bad turnovers like that. I think that game could have been I think they could have easily won it in regulation and they've had to deal with a decent amount of COVID stuff when it comes to, I know everybody has to some point when it comes to missing games or missing practices and having a lot of players out. So I got to tip my hat to Brian Kelly as well. I, I, I feel like I haven't given them credit. They, they were tougher than, than I thought they were. It was a good game. It was nice. I was looking at the matchups this week and there just haven't been that many really great, um, you know, high, what was that? Number one versus number five, I think Notre Dame was. Number four. Number four. It just seems like there hasn't been um, that many great with the ACC, maybe not being what it's been before. You could argue the same with the SEC outside of Alabama. Um, There haven't been a lot of just really great games like that against highly ranked opponents. And uh, so it it was fun to watch. It was really fun to watch. I, I do like, I actually like college football's overtime rules. Love it. Um, Big fan. I, I, I would like to see the NFL go with that, but I will. I think this was your, your pod damn it, like week one, Kyle, or week two. Um, these games are so freaking long. It's ridiculous. I mean, I feel like most college football games are pushing four hours now, whereas that Jets-Patriots game, I think, was like two and a half hours or two hours and 40 minutes. Like, yeah, last it's night was just, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's too freaking slow. It's move, it moves too slow. They review so much. Yeah, that, that part of it was frustrating. But other than that, it was, it was great. I loved watching it. Yeah, because the running joke with us is, you know, like if a game is going past 9.30 or 10 o'clock and I don't respond to a text, it's just like, oh, looks like Kyle's asleep. <laughs> and, uh, and like I actually did fall asleep during that game toward the end. And then like I woke up during what the second overtime period or whatever else. And I was like, oh, oh shit, overtime. All right, great. But yeah, man, I can't, I can't handle football games going if they would late. if they would just get rid of the the stopping the clock on a first down yeah. rule i think that would yep agreed that just yeah that and then like maybe move halftime to 15 minutes instead of 20 and uh yeah i think that's well yeah because like college kids it, yeah i mean like you can you know have them set up for a play like you can like coach them up to be like yeah this is going to move a lot faster and like i think they would be okay with that you know because these college athletes are obviously getting more and more athletic each each year they're coming in to where it's like, yeah, they can handle this. It's fine. But yeah, these games are way too long. I do have, I do have one before we wrap up college football. Um, I've been thinking about this ever since Rob sent the clip of the, uh, was it Arizona State where the guy made a sack and then basically raised his hand and had to run off the field? Yeah, had to go to the back, had to go take, take a dump. Take a <laughs> um, so in that, in that little article, it said that players are able, that they can go number one on the sideline, which I had never thought about. So do you think they have like a little setup in that blue tent or do you think they have a legitimate, I've never seen like a portage on or anything on the sideline. I was just curious. I wonder if that's something that they can do in the blue tent or maybe he was just kidding that they just pee their pants. Cause I've heard Mark Schlereth for years. He said he would just pee his pants all the time on the field. He just didn't care. He's like, yeah. I'm an offensive lineman. Every part of my body hurts. I already smell. <laughs> I, just pee my pants. Um, I don't know. Thoughts on that, you guys? Well, Joey, do you have a little bucket behind your drum riser whenever you have to pee during a show? Just it's just a tube. It's a tube. 
Yeah. Yeah, one, yeah. You have one of it's, those stadium pals hooked up to your. <laughs> it's Johnson. tough to get through those, uh, those 75 minute sets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was, thought that was interesting. A rare vulnerable moment when I was a kid in, in third grade, my first day of football practice, I didn't have a, a, a cup Oof. order. And, uh, the coach said that I had to get one. And so I told my, my parents and I said, we'll take you to get one. And I was asking my dad what it was. And I let, <laughs> keep in mind, I was only in third grade, but I thought it was so that if you had to go to the bathroom in the game, you could just go. And it somehow acted like a, a diaper or, or <laughs> you could go into it somehow. There's that. But I'm curious if you guys think, or maybe no one else had that random thought. You think they go in the tent or you think they just don't go? I don't know. I don't know how much often that happens. I mean, especially like in the warmer months, those guys are sweating so much and drinking so much and running fluid. It's probably, I would imagine younger dudes with their kidneys and functions all, you know, running at normal paces. But, you know, yeah, I'm sure, I, I wouldn't be surprised if more dudes just didn't piss their pants like Schlereth. And I, th- I can't remember who's another, there was another guy, a defensive guy that used to say he pissed himself all the time. I can't remember, but I would. I, you know, if I have to piss... If there's a blue tent, you know, if there's like a little porta john in there, I might use it. But if if I'm out in the field and things are getting tough, I'd probably just let it fly. I peed myself Same. on. I peed myself once on stage one time, just because it was towards the end of the set and it was like three hours nonstop, and it was like fuck it, doesn't matter at this point, you know. Where was, were you? Where, where, was it where, tough to like get it started, or once you did, was it like floodgates were open, no problem? Well, I, it was right, literally on the last song, and I and I had been holding it. And it was just finally, I just kind of let some of it go. And as soon as we got done, I was literally like pissing my pants running to the bathroom. It was bad. <laughs> Where was this? This was, um, um, this was at the, uh, at the, uh, geez, not the end. What's it called? Uh, the basement, uh, was playing for this big, um, Jackson Epley, you may or may not remember this because he was playing bass. We were doing this big R&B soul, deep soul review band called The Dynamites. And we just had this huge set. We had all these people sitting in and jamming with us. It was the first show we ever did. And I was very nervous for the show. And I was drinking a bunch of Jack, Dan- Jack and Cokes and stuff. And, and it was just a really long night. And I did not time it well. And I had literally was peeing my pants on the last song. And then literally downbeat last tune. I'm just tailed it towards the bathroom. The best part for, for any of the listeners that, that don't know what the basement East is, or the basement OG, the climb to get from the drum kit yeah. to the bathroom is... And there was like 20 the, people on stage. We had horns. Yeah, it's we the had opposite of the line of least resistance. Yeah. It's covered. It, you have to go around tables and through. Yeah. That's... Yeah. And, it was, and I felt like, like, I felt like Austin banger. Powers. I felt like I was just standing there for like 10 minutes, just like, oh my God, just shaking. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> it wasn't a full like mid-gig pants pissing where I had to sit there and sit in it, but it was it was last song pissing. It was suit. enough to, yeah. to make you a little bit wet. Yeah, and it wasn't like suit pants either. It was, I mean, jeans, it was like suit pants. We were all wearing Oh, suits. were you wearing black jeans? No, I was wearing like like a pants, like like, like dress pants. It was a suit. Oh, we're all oh. wearing dark suits. Yeah. It was not good. <laughs> Joey, have you ever, uh, like, well, I had to piss yourself during a Scotty show before. I never have. I never have. I got, I was pretty sick. I've taken a, a bucket up on stage twice. Um, just from, uh, feeling like I was going to throw up. Um, it was when I had strep and 
we had, we were in the middle of a two week run and that's the sickest I've ever been in my life. Anyway, I go we get tested. I've got strep. We had a day off. I rested the next day. It was like, okay, we, and we have to do the show. And it was at, we did a, it was a radio thing at Top Golf in Vegas. So, you know, they do like little shows in there, but there's like five tiers of people. So they're all, you know, most of the crowd is kind of tiered up. And I just had this bucket. And the whole time I was thinking, gosh, if, if I throw up, I mean, this is going to be all these people are just going to, it's going to be very clear, very clear what's happening here. Um, I did not. I went back to the dressing room. I was gonna, getting ready to go to sleep, go back to the bus. And then uh, the guy said, hey, they just gave us two beer, two bays. Drinks are on me to have a good time. So, so I pushed through. <laughs> Probably not the best decision. I was like, oh, I mostly drink whiskey anyway, and that'll help just clear it up. So, yeah, I think that's always the uh, uh, that's always the go to play of being like, oh, I mean, like, yeah, like I feel uh, kind of sick on the road, and someone's handing you a beer, be like, hey, man, this will be fine. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, ah, oh, well, I'm sick and I'm hammered as well. So, yeah, yeah I guess this will be fun. Yep. But yeah, how about I'd, you? Have you ever had a, a close call or an accident on on stage there? Uh, well, like playing downtown on Broadway one time, you know, because like those shows. I mean. <laughs> shows. I don't like, I, God, I sound like a pretentious douche. I mean, like it's not a show on Broadway. It's a gig. Yeah. You know, like gigs on Broadway last for four hours. And sometimes if you're kind of going, uh, well, like especially like the late night gigs to where like, they don't want the full band to stop before you want to take a break. You know, like there's been some close calls that, you know, like if, I mean, like it's hurt, you know, just like the length of time I've had to help, I mean, hold my urine inside me. But, uh, there has been a time on the road that I've almost had to piss. So that's good. Um, I tried to, not drink anything about, you know, like until about 20 minutes before the show, just so I can use the bathroom. And then like, I'll start like, well, yeah, like having some beers and stuff again. And uh, yeah, I haven't really had that problem. You know, Rob, I didn't know you uh, tinkled yourself one time. Yeah, That, it was, that kind of makes me a little bit happy. Yeah, it was, it wasn't a, like I said, it wasn't a full, you know, mid set pants, pants pissing, but it was, it was enough to qualify. I would say by my criteria. Pod damn it. Pod damn it. Pod damn it. All right, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. It's time for Pod Damn It. And uh, I guess I'll go first. I think mine's pretty short. Um, this Pod Damn It goes out to the Notre Dame football team and Notre Dame fans. And maybe some people are just going to be like, oh, you're going to talk about social distancing. I'm, not, uh, I'm actually not going to talk about that. I'm just going to talk about how it's always bugged me when a top-ranked team, you know, top 10, or just even a ranked team, top 25, they beat a number one team on their home turf, and then they stormed the field like it was a massive upset. I've never agree with that. I absolutely hate that to think like, oh, we won, let's storm the field. Yeah, we beat number one. Great. But you guys were a great football team to begin with. So I think fans storming the field should be left when, uh, just like when it's a massive upset about who they're playing. If you're, yeah, like back in the day, App State against Michigan. Granted, we played at Michigan, but lo and behold, like if we would have played the game, you know, in Boone, North Carolina, yeah, one double A team beating Michigan, ranked number four. Hell yeah, let's storm the field. Great. Yeah, but like when you're Notre Dame, ranked number four, like you're technically already in the college football playoff if the season stopped today and then you storm the field because it was just a massive victory to beat Clemson, then it's just kind of like, no, you guys were really good to begin with anyway. Just act like you've been there. Yeah, like you're a good team. It's fine. So that's my short rant about good college football teams storming the field. And uh, yeah. Oh, actually, like I do have a, a pause, damn it, as well. I have a positive thing. So over in England, the Premier League, the 
the uh, like Arsenal Football Club, back when the pandemic started, and then like once the season ended, they actually uh, let go of their mascot, uh, uh, the uh, like Gunnersaurus. It's a big dinosaur dressed up in <laughs> Arsenal football gear. <laughs> And so like they cut him because they just thought, well, we can save money. And since there's no fans in the stadium, we, there's no need for a mascot, massive uproar. Apparently this, I mean like the same guy has been this mascot for like 27 years. Right. So massive uproar, no pun intended to be a dinosaur. Like honestly didn't mean that once that happened. So like one of the star football players, uh, he agreed to pay, uh, the salary of the Gunnersaurus just like out of his own pocket to, to continue uh, being, uh, being the mascot while there are no fans in the uh, stands. So yeah. Uh, midfielder, uh, like I think his last name is like, uh, uh, like Ozeal. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. So yeah, he is taking what? 350 pounds, four or 400 pounds weekly, just like out of his own paycheck and giving it to this guy just so he can continue being the mascot. So there'll be a lone mascot in the, uh, stadium this weekend for Arsenal. And uh, it's going to be funny because he'll just be wandering around, just no fans by himself, which is great. We saw that in baseball this past summer. So our affinity for mascots, especially old Gritty from yeah, this past weekend. I want to I do a mascot podcast episode. There's a lot to be... I have a lot of, have a lot of feelings about mascots. Yeah. They're very uh, important. Rob, Rob uh, let's try to do that for the Christmas episode just to put everybody in a good mood since uh, yeah. we can probably pre-record that and drop it Christmas week. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, pod damn it, pause damn it. The Gunnersaurus. God, he looks awesome too, by the way. Like we'll treat, uh, yeah, I mean like we'll tweet out a picture of him on our uh, our, our uh, Twitter account. So yeah, yeah, that's mine. So uh, Joey. Uh, my pod damn it, social media is, is a, can be a positive and a negative thing. And I think when we're on the road, we have a lot of downtime and probably spend more time on social media than we should. But I feel like since we haven't toured in nine months or almost nine months, spend even more time on social media than I should, which is never, there, there's not a lot of positives that come out of it. Um, but I think if anything drives me to truly get off of social media, um, which I vow that if I ever do, I'm not going to announce it to the world. I'm just going to disappear. There's a shout out to actually, that could be my pod damn right there. People that announce it. Posting videos of our workouts and our workout stats. Um, struggling with that one. I just feel like uh, maybe there's a workout app where you could post that. Or I know like in Nike Running Club or a lot of these fitness apps, you could share your stats with other buddies. Yeah, it's like Peloton. Yeah. Like just ride with people and have the yeah, board and leave yeah. it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to take a screenshot of the great ride with Marie. Uh, at Halloween, we rode the Thriller. <laughs> and here's my stats. Um, if I'm flipping through Instagram stories or Twitter on a Sunday, I want to read about football. I don't want to see footage of you doing um, push-ups with the eye of the tiger going in the background. So <laughs> let's just maybe let's pretend like it's Lent and maybe we give up uh, workout posts on social media for Lent. God damn it out. Joey, I'm glad that I actually don't do that and I work out every day. So you're welcome. I appreciate that. Yeah. Sweet. But if you're not sharing it on social media, we, we can't actually. But are you it. Kyle? Yeah. Are yeah. you really? It's like a tree. It's the tree falls in the forest argument. On yeah. Parlor, I'm sharing all my workout stats. Parlor. <laughs> Mind's, <laughs> mind space. All right, Rob, pod damn it. Uh, well, we've talked quite a bit about college football in this episode, so I'm going to stay in that vein. My pod damn it goes out to, and I had a couple of different 
candidates, and I, I kind of whittled it down to this one. Uh, Mike Leach, uh, who anybody who knows football, college football in the past few years, uh, he's been a um, kind of interesting character, um, had some success at Washington State, Texas Tech, kind of known for being the pirate, being a crazy offensive, you know, guru supposedly and, uh, you know, throwing the ball around. And I've always th thought he was a bit of a fraud. Um, he's had some fun teams. And for me, basically, he's just kind of wildly inconsistent. He'll, he'll you know, throw up 52 points one next week, you know, one week and next week he gets, you know, he gets curb stomped. But this weekend, they played Vanderbilt, and I understand um, that they had some COVID, had a lot of guys out with COVID. So, but they were playing Vanderbilt, who's not a very good team, and they've had issues with COVID this season so far, too. But they won the game. It was pretty ugly. They, they won by touchdown, 24 to 17. Uh, Vanderbilt outgained them 478 to 204, and they still won. And then in his press conference, he got, he's very, he's and one of the things I hate in coaches is the ones that are, get very defiant or very truculent with the press. You know, part, part of your job is to, to deal with, with sports writers and press conferences. And I know if I was a coach, it would probably be the last thing I'd want to deal with, but it's part of the job. So you might as well just resign yourself to know that you're going to have to do press conferences. You're going to have to do your weekly, you know, radio show or, or, or your, your TV show with local news. But he said something about, I'll paraphrase him, he basically kind of said that the fans that aren't with us are impatient. The impatient fans can just kind of go where they can pick another team or move on. And it's like, man, I, I, I understand, again, saying that being a coach is hard and he, obviously it's a lot of extra stressors this year with COVID and everything. But I just think you have to be a little bit more understanding not necessarily about what people's feelings, but just like how people are going to feel about their team and just being a little bit more uh, diplomatic in that regard. And he's just not very good at it. He's going to say what he's going to say. He's going to coach. He's going to coach. And he doesn't really care. Uh, and I think that will probably be his great undoing in the SEC and the in Mississippi State because he just can't, you know. Again, people thought that was a great hire and, and I immediately thought if he makes three years – I'll be surprised, especially at Mississippi State, which has never been a really big, I mean, they've had a couple of good seasons over the past, you know, 10 years, but they, they haven't been as much success as Auburn, LSU, Florida, Alabama, obviously. But yeah, Mike Leach, good luck, buddy. But I, I just don't think you're winning any friends. And when you are getting, even though you won the game, when you're getting out gains, when you're getting doubled up by Vanderbilt, I think you need to probably parse your words <laughs> a little bit more diplomatically and uh, kind of take your lumps. Um, but yeah, good luck. I, I don't expect you'll be coaching in the SEC for another couple of years. And uh, I think we'll all be better for it. Bye, Mike. The old mask snapper from yeah. uh, the SEC. <laughs> that was really funny though. I must admit. <laughs> well, it's like when you went up to Lane Kiffin during the, uh, the uh, the preseason press conference with all the coaches just went up and go yeah boop <laughs> he can he can be very funny and and, and those moments are, are few and far between but I just I, I just have a problem with with the guys that are that are just 
uh, even when Saban was at LSU, I didn't I didn't care for his demeanor with the press. Now he's gotten a little bit better in some regards. Now he's at Alabama and he's he's kind of a BMOC there. But uh, but yeah, I, I just can't, especially if you're on a shitty team and you're going to start lashing out at the at the writers and the fans and the people that are criticizing you. Oof, it's just and if it. you just gave up 500 yards to Vanderbilt, yeah. That's nothing to, yeah. yeah that is, that's not a hill you need to be dying on, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Anchor down. All right. I think that wraps up this episode of One More Pass. You can follow us at One More Pass on Instagram, at One More Pass on Twitter. Rate, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to your podcasts. And uh, guys, what do y'all have left to say to our loyal pass receivers on this? I guess Wednesday when it drops, but this Tuesday morning, when do we record? Keep wearing your mask. Keep wearing your mask just, just so we can uh, get back to work eventually. Rob? Yes, same. Wear your mask. Weather's great. Get outside and enjoy it if you can because pretty soon it is not going to be great. <laughs> all right. As we we'll all know. <laughs> the, the, the Nashville monsoon rainy season, November through February, is getting ready to start. So get out and yeah. enjoy it. Have fun. Don't we are currently the- in second fall. So, yes. uh, yep. All right. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>